Welcome to an all-new episode of The Fanatic with your host, David Patrick. On today's show, I'm going to talk about player retirements and how they affected me. Um, there are four guys in particular that I'm going to be talking about. They are Reggie Miller, Andre Agassi, Derek Jeter, and Kobe Bryant, the late great Kobe Bryant. Um, each four of these guys had an impact on my life and four guys that I watched their respective sports and were really... I was really invested in them and their careers and when they hung it up it was very sad and they had definitely impacted me throughout my life and their legacies all still live on today but they definitely were people that I grew up watching and idolizing. This was going to kick off a series of episodes um, with the sports hiatus going on. I just figured that I would change it up a little bit and start a series of episodes um future episodes are going to be like my favorite moments favorite games favorite players etc um until we get more sports going on but i will finish with one final thought about a recent nfl trade and that will be how i wrap the show up but um for the most part it's going to be talking about those four guys and their retirements and how each of those really impacted my life let's get started One of the earliest memories I have of retirement was um, Reggie Miller. Um, when he retired, I was about seven, eight years old. And, of course, growing up, I was a huge Pacer fan here in Indiana. So, diehard Pacer fan, you know. And Reggie was the guy. I mean, I remember watching him. Unfortunately, um, later in his career, at the tail end of his career, if you will, and... He was still good. He was still good and still a legend, a clutch player. But unfortunately, I did not get to see him early on or really much in the 90s. But I was fortunate enough to catch him at the last mm, four or five years of his career. Um, Fortunately, we could never get him a ring. But that's just kind of how it goes. But, um... Still remember um, in the playoffs, his last year, it was against Detroit, of course. One of our biggest killers in the early 2000s was Detroit. Um, they always killed us in the playoffs. But I remember um, Reggie coming out in the final like 30 seconds, a minute or something like that. And um, the game was over. They had won the game series in six. So we were going home, of course. And... I just remember um, he, <laughs> Reggie coming out of the game for one last time, and uh, their coach, um, Larry Brown, calling timeout, and everyone's cheering, everyone's chanting Reggie, and it was awesome. The fact that he called a timeout while he was walking to the bench was awesome. Great respect for um, Larry Brown for doing that. And that was just awesome to do, to let the crowd get an extra 30 seconds to cheer before Reggie sat on the bench for one last time and subbed out for the last time in his career. And, man, I'm telling you, just that moment really just killed me as a kid because I'm like, man, is this the end? I mean, 7, 8, I don't really quite understand what was going on at the time, but, like, that was so impactful on me, like, I was crying, everybody was crying in the stands, 
it was just a great moment. And even today, they have the final couple minutes on YouTube. And watching that today still gives me chills and gives me brings me to tears, man. Like, I still cry when I watch that. Like, that was just so sad that he retired. But, I mean, at the end of the day, guys just... Guys retire. Guys got to retire. Guys get old. Guys can't play anymore. But watching a guy who's literally a legend of your favorite team, like the Pacers, is just great, man. Like, it was so awesome. Just watch him play. Unfortunately, um, it had to end sooner than I wanted it to, but that's just kind of how things go. Um, it was awesome though, man. I mean, it was sad, but it was awesome. But unfortunately, uh, it had to end without a championship, of course, which is sad. But I think to me, he's one of the most underrated players um, to ever play the game of basketball. Stayed with one team, he was loyal. He gave everything to Indianapolis. Um, that was what really was great. He was a great guy, great person, great player. Never die attitude. Always clutch when we needed him. And it's just great going to games and seeing his um, highlights come up on the video board before the game. A little pre-game introduction video. He pops up and everybody's clapping and cheering. That gives me chills too, seeing that knowing the impact he had on us and just the whole city man it's great memories of that and it was sad like I said but as a kid you know of course you're gonna cry I mean I cried so many times when people retired or things didn't go right that's just one of the great impacts sports have on you and especially when you watch guys who retire like, you follow them your whole life. You're invested in them. You get attached to them. And when they decide to give it up, it's a sad moment. Sad, sad day. This wasn't even, like, a speech he gave afterwards. It was like, hey, is this really, is this the end? He's like, yeah, I think this is it for me. Like, it wasn't even that deep, as deep as you might think it would be. But it was great, man. Like... One of, my, one of my favorite um, memories for sure and my, one of my earliest memories um, of watching basketball. And what really impacted me was just seeing him hang it up. And then, of course, um, shortly after that, there was some news articles saying, hey, he might come back, but it was for Boston. It wasn't for us. So I'm like, well, he might as well just not even do that. And being the classy guy he was, he... He didn't come back. He stayed retired. He said, I'm done. And now he's went on to become a great commentator for the NCAA tournament and um, the NBA on TNT. So he's made a good post career in broadcasting. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. But he, every time I see him now, it gives me chills. Every time I watch all the highlights of him, it gives me chills. And that's the great thing about having YouTube is that we can watch these guys anytime we want and their legacy still lives on and just that's that's the best part about it is we can the legends will never die because we have youtube and all these other sources to 
watch these guys. So the legend didn't end when he retired. Um, he still lives on. He's still immortalized in the arena. So his legend's never gonna die. He's a he's a hero to Indiana, and he has a special place in my heart um, for sure. Being that young, but just knowing that he was done and I didn't get to see much of him was probably the worst part that I couldn't really handle. It's like, man, this guy played 18 years and I only got to see him for like five that I remember. So that's the, that's the worst part about it. But he had a long career, so... Definitely something to be thankful for. 18 years is, is very long in the NBA. And to play at that high of a level for that long was great. Fortunately, he did, we couldn't get a title, but he did get us to a title in 2000. But overall, man, I mean, this guy... Yeah, like I said, when I still watch the video, I still cry when I see it. The crowd just cheering, yelling, yelling his name chanting his name and the class that Detroit had to call time out just so everyone there could keep cheering for him that that's phenomenal to me that's that's great sportsmanship respect and that's that's what he emulated too that's what I looked up to the way he carried himself on and off the court this man en enveloped and basically projected respect and sportsmanship and he was a class guy he never got into trouble he never did drugs he never got suspended for anything serious other than leaving the bench for the miles in the palace but other than that he's a legend to indiana we'll always 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 be thankful for him that he was able to play for the Pacers. And that just makes him great. And makes him someone that people should look up to. There probably isn't too many tennis fans that are going to be listening to this episode. But tennis, um, growing up, was one of my favorite things to watch. I really don't know why. But I remember watching the Open, Wimbledon, French Open, etc. You name it. If it was on TV, I was going to watch it. And my all-time favorite American by far was Andre Agassi. Um, that guy not only was a beast, but also, unfortunately, somebody that retired way too early in my life. But fortunately, I was able to watch about six seven years of him but um yeah the speech he gave i think is really what got to me and just when it really sunk in that he was gonna retire that's what really um got to me he had a passionate speech um and he was crying throughout it was like so awesome but yeah, so sad. Like, man, a guy I watched again my whole life just gives it up. 
Really, tennis hasn't been the same since. There has not been any good American since. Roddick was, was okay, but I never really liked him like I did Agassi. Agassi was the guy. And to this day remains my favorite men, man tennis player men's tennis player, um, ever, um, nobody's gonna replace that in my heart, he was so good, and there was not a single, um, tear, um, there wasn't a single dry eye in the stadium that day, man, they were panning around, showing the audience, and I'll tell you, there was not a single person who wasn't crying. Grown men, children, women, you name it, they were bawling their eyes out, man. Once again, uh, it's also something I just rewatch on YouTube, and it still brings me to tears to this day, too. Being so invested in a guy like that, and just he just up and retires. It's, it kills you inside man and it's just one of those things where he retired too soon not too soon he was old but too soon in my life I didn't get to see his whole prime if you will just really the tail end of his career like his last five or six years is what I really remember but yeah but it was the first retirement speech that I had ever experienced and heard in my life and that was pretty cool and I watched it live so that was awesome too but even the replays of it brings me to tears makes me cry you name it um but definitely if I catch a replay of him playing you better believe I'm watching it because I do like watching tennis which I know is probably weird to some people but there really isn't a sport I will not watch and watching a guy like that, whom I respected, who I thought was a good guy, didn't really get in trouble either, and just beat just about everyone he faced. Um, that's what was really awesome about him, I thought. And he was bald by the end of the time he retired, but of course you could tell it was stressing him out and he was aging, so it was time for him. But still, it doesn't make it any easier knowing um, that they're old, even if you know they're old and that they're going to retire soon, you still just, it still makes you sad that they can't just continue a little bit longer and play at a high level a little bit longer, but he knew on his own terms, he kind of knew this was it for me, and I respect that, um, always, of course, when somebody knows when to retire, I think that's great. Some people try to hold on a little too long and then that just never ends well for anybody so fortunately he ended on his own terms and I think that's awesome I really appreciate him and also a guy I'll never forget and like I said tennis really hasn't been the same I really haven't watched since he's retired at least men um, I've watched women of the Williams sisters, who I love, both of them dearly, they are awesome, and they're, they're amazing, but as far as men, I've really watched since, um, I've watched Federer, but that's really the only guy I like at this time, 
But um, yeah, him and Agassi are my two favorites, probably ever. But Agassi is my all-time favorite. American and all-time favorite tennis player ever. He was a dog. He was great. He was a legend. Um, that's a really what you can say. Probably the second or third best American ever, I would say. Pete Sampras, in my opinion, is the greatest tennis player ever um, as far as American men. But Haggessy is up there as well. Um, just the statistics are mind-blowing. Um, he's the eighth all-time in earnings, $31 million. He's a career record is 870 and 274, 76% percentage, which is awesome. 60 titles, which is 10th in the open era. His highest rank was number one on my birthday in 95, April 10th, 95, the year before I was born. Um, won the Australian four times, the French once, Wimbledon once, U.S. Open twice. Um, just, there's really not much you can say about him. And he won the Olympic gold in singles in 96. So, really, and he's in the Hall of Fame, Tennis Hall of Fame. So, not really much you can't say about him. That was awesome. Um, he retired in 06. So, yes, I was about 10 years old. But, unfortunately, I only got to see the end of his career. So, I hope. He was still winning, just not major tournaments by then because he was past his prime. But still a guy that I loved watching. I loved watching tennis back then. And he was a guy that I admired a lot and really wanted to emulate if I just played tennis for fun and or in gym class or whatever. I was like, man, I'm going to beat him. And of course you do that when you're young. But yeah, those two years two-year gap between him and Reggie, so it's pretty crazy, but the guy I love to watch, especially in tennis, and just an awesome guy that I just love to watch, and if I ever played professionally or if I ever dreamed about playing, I, I wanted to be him, and that's just really... What I remember most about him, I just wish I could have seen him play a lot more and seen him win those titles in his prime. But he was still competing and winning matches, but he wasn't really as successful later in his career, unfortunately. Because, you know, you get old and you get a lot of good time competition like Sampras. So that was his biggest nemesis, but it was fun watching him compete. Um especially against the Federers and players like that. But he knew when to quit, and his speech is what really got to me. made me cry, and he was crying, and everyone was crying. It was just one of those great moments in sports where a guy retires on his own terms, and there's not a dry eye in the, the crowd. And I think that really says a lot about impact sports have once again on people and I know it really impacted me. Uh, tennis was never really the same for me after that. Alright, time to talk about the captain. 
No, not Captain Jack Sparrow, but the captain, Derek Jeter, of the greatest franchise of all time, the New York Yankees. Um, what can you really say about the guy? He's a living legend, one of the greatest shortstops to ever play the game of baseball, a Yankee legend, a class act, literally the epitome of greatness, the epitome of everything good. He, he's a legend. He's an all-time legend. And one of the greatest players in New York Yankee history. And it's not even close. Just from a statistics standpoint, for all of you who might not know, batted 310, 3,465 hits, 260 home runs, 1,311 RBIs. 260 home runs, 1,311 RBIs, 3,465 hits, and a 310 average. To repeat, 14-time All-Star, 5-time World Series champion, World Series MVP in 2000, American League Rookie of the Year, 5-time Gold Glove Award winner, 5-time Silver Slugger Award winner, 2-time Hank Aaron Award winner, Roberto Clemente Award, and last but not least, he was the captain of of the Yankees from 2013 to 2014 and his number two is retired and he was voted into the Hall of Fame at 99.7% with one guy not voting to not to keep him from being unanimous and that guy still remained to be anonymous because he's not doesn't want to know anyone to know um, who he was which I don't blame him but a lot of people were mad at that he wasn't unanimous. But honestly, that really didn't bother me. Like it did a lot of people. But living legend, one of my all-time favorite players. Um, all-time favorite Yankee for sure. Another guy who ended on his own terms. A guy who was just dominant. Especially for his defensive play. I mean, the two that really stick in my mind that he accomplished defensively was the flip at the plate to get out Giambi in the playoffs against the A's and the fly ball he caught where he dove and flipped into the dugout to make the catch. Two plays that are forever in baseball history. Not to mention his constant clutch hitting time and time again when the Yankees needed him most as evidenced by all those RBIs. But yeah, he was clutch. He was known to come through in October, as, of course, um, most legends are. He was built for it. No moment was too big for him. He came through when they needed him time and time again. And also, the first guy on this list that I can say I actually got to watch their prime and actually got to see their dominant moments um, as a kid and an adult, which was pretty awesome. And also a guy I cried when he played his last game at Yankee Stadium, of course. I remember just like it was yesterday, I was sitting there in my dorm room at college, my doors open, pull up a stream on my laptop, 
because someone was watching the TV downstairs. I'm like, well, screw it. I'm just going to watch it on my laptop on a bootleg little stream, of course. And I'm watching it, and people are coming through asking me, what's going on? What's the score? What's he doing? And quite honestly, he sucked that game. He sucked the whole season, to be honest. He was batting too high in the lineup, and of course, he's a legend, so they're not going to... Not gonna take him out of the lineup, God forbid. Like they're not gonna do that. But yeah, he was he was terrible. I mean, I'm not gonna sugarcoat. He was bad his last year, and he knew it was probably time. So I'm glad he decided to hang it up. But he's up the bat. I wasn't really that good of a game. I mean, I guess it was. But they're playing the Orioles at home, last game of a three-game series, I believe. And he's got like a two-one count or two-two or something. And he gets a pitch and drills it right up the gut. There's a guy on second or third, I believe. I think there was a guy on third or sec or second, maybe. I don't remember, but he hits one right up the gut, drives the guy home, walk off, bottom of the ninth, walk off, single, and the crowd's cheering, the crowd's crying, the crowd's freaking out. The team mobs him freaking loving all over him it was a great moment um i was crying i was getting chills i was like that just happened of course it happened it's jeter of course storybook ending last game at yankee and he freaking gets a walk-off single of course the guy that's clutch comes through time and time again hits a walk-off what a way to end your career at home in yankee stadium phenomenal you can't really write much better scripts for movies than that and he came through in the clutch as he had so many times before that and as I said I was crying I was chilling I was getting chills freaking out it was awesome and I'm 18 freshman sitting there crying in his room because something awesome happened I mean come on Pretty sad, I know, but that's just the impact, the deep connection I had to watching him play, man. I mean, that's really what happened. I was so attached and connected to him that that stuff happens. I mean, hard to believe, but that's what happened. A guy that I really appreciated and loved to watch for my favorite team. Of course, and he was a legend, Yankee legend, got us five titles I'm forever grateful for, and really just a guy on a long list of legends that have came through New York, and he's forever immortalized in the Hall of Fame, and his numbers retired, and we still haven't really been able to replace our shortstop since. Um, that position still not really been solidified ever since he quit which we all figured would happen eventually anyway but some guys some legends like that you just can't replace and i think he's one of those guys that you just can't ever replace he was a once in a generational guy and it's hard to match that much production in a guy like that but they've been trying they haven't really been succeeding but 
Maybe one day we'll find the second coming of Jeter and get that guy in there. But that remains to be seen, of course. But overall, another guy I cried. I mean, that's been the common theme throughout this episode is I cry. I'm a grown person that cries over guys that play games. I mean, what can I say? That's just the impact they have on people, especially me. Especially when you've watched a guy your whole life. It makes you sad. It's like you're a part of them. And that's what makes it great. That's what makes sports great. But people might think I'm weird for that, but I really don't care. Um, I'm here talking about retirement. It happens to everybody. And But um, Lisa was on his own terms. He wasn't really forced out. So he was able to make his decision. Oh, yeah, but also during that time, I remember they had a Nike ad out, him just walking the streets, talking to people in New York, and it was an awesome commercial that also gave me chills and made me cry a little bit. But he was the guy, the captain, the captain, um, Captain Jeter, man, the highest distinction you can get, captain of the Yankees, and he did it for... 11 seasons from 03 to 14 so says a lot about him great character guy never really got in trouble and my favorite baseball player of all time and favorite Yankee of all time no doubt all right moving on to what I consider the saddest retirement of my life um Kobe Bryant I mean what can be said about the guy what happened to him um not too long ago was sad it's still sad it's still in everybody's memory but his legacy still lives on of course but his retirement man was so awesome one of the greatest memories I'll have is his retirement, especially his last game. That was the stuff of legends. I remember it just like it was yesterday. I was sitting there watching ESPN. Um, around the, the same night, the Warriors were trying to get their 73rd win. But nobody gave a crap about that except for one guy in the lobby of the dorm. But that guy was an idiot. And we convinced him that we were going to watch Kobe's last game. And of course, you know, it was his last season. And he was, of course, showing his age. He was not shooting well at all. He was actually playing like crap, if you want to be honest. But Kobe being Kobe, kept fighting, kept fighting, kept clawing through every bad shot, every bad mistake. He was still doing his thing and... Of course, it was a meaningless game for both teams. Um, the Jazz had just been eliminated before tip-off, and the Lakers, of course, were eliminated a long time ago before then, but it was Kobe's last game. It was at Staples. Everyone was there. Rihanna, Jack Nicholson, Jay-Z, Snoop, you name it. Every legend was there. Shaq sitting front, sit front row courtside. I mean, it was awesome. His family there, everybody there to witness 
Kobe's last game. ESPN had been hyping it up, of course. They had an awesome commercial during the game. That ESPN, um, or not ESPN, but Nike um, dropped. And I recommend looking it up on YouTube. It was awesome. Awesome gave you chills. And, well, it was just fantastic. I mean, honestly, in general. But going into that game, I was just sitting there thinking, man, if he could just give me 20, I'd be happy. Because he wasn't really scoring that well. He was not shooting well either. So I'm like, well, crap. I was like, all right, maybe they'll give me 20. 30 if I'm lucky. You know, Ben is Kobe getting me 30 points. But that's what I was thinking to myself. I'm like, if you can just give me 30, that'd be awesome. So, of course, he ends up shooting like crap at the beginning of the game. So I'm like, well, crap, you know, it's like halftime. I don't even think he had 20 points yet. If he did, it took him a while to get there. So the second half tips off, and... You know, um, he's struggling, still struggling a little bit, but he's starting to find his rhythm. He's starting to get a few shots going in a row, getting to the free throw line, finding his groove, if you will. And then he gets to 30. I'm like, all right, sweet. He's already got what I want. I was like, well, maybe he can get me to 40. He gets to 40. I'm thinking, oh, crap, this is this is real right now. And everybody I'm watching the game with is like, man, he's going to do it. I'm like, all right, you know, 50, that's, 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 there's no way, that's not realistic whatsoever. I'm like, there's no way he's going to be able to do that. Then he gets to 50. There's like a couple minutes left, and I'm like thinking, crap, I was like, man, can he get to 60? And it was a close game, of course, and he hits a couple clutch shots, vintage Kobe, turn around, fadeaways, you name it. He's hitting it, and pull up threes, whatever, and I'm thinking, what's going on right now i'm freaking out i'm yelling kobe everyone i'm watching this watching the game with yelling kobe we're all freaking out everybody's looking at us like we're weird but it was awesome so he's a 50 i'm thinking man i don't know is this is this it does he have anything left in the tank because i mean he's basically played the entire game i actually think he did play all 48 minutes which is insane to be freaking 38 40 years old and freaking playing that many minutes but he did in fact do that so i'm sitting there like man all right you got 50 can we get 60 it's a close game you know they're feeding on the ball the whole game because it's kobe and that's what you do you give the legend the ball let him do his thing so he gets a little foul line under like 30 seconds or something like that I'm thinking well he's a 58 right now can he get he gets just hit these two free throws, can he get 60? Hits the first one. He's cool, calm, and collective. You can see it on his face. He don't care. He's got the swag. And they're showing Shaq and all the other people there. And they're just, their jaws are just dropping. They're like, wow, what's going on? Shoots the second one. Cash money, of course. And everybody's like, wow, he just got 60. And that was awesome, man. And then, of course... The last play he ever had, he throws an assist, and that's how he ends his career. But his speech was freaking lit, man. I'm telling you, his speech was one of the best that I'd ever heard. Talking about his time in L.A., his championships, everything about his career. His family was there supporting him. He brought them out, and... Of course, his famous Mamba out, drops the mic, walks off the court.
like a total freaking legend. It was so great. Of course, that speech made me cry. The game made me cry. I was getting chills. I couldn't sleep that night. It's like past midnight. I'm thinking, crap, I had to get up at 6 a.m. for a class. I'm thinking, man, this sucks. I'm so hyped about the game that I couldn't sleep, man. And then I remember a couple times during that year, I went and replayed and watched the, watched the highlights. And I've watched this high, the highlights of that game many times since and each time I watch it it still gives me chills and hypes me up and like oh, it's so great watching that the highlights give me chills makes me cry watching his speech again makes me cry gives me chills and it's unfortunate and sad what happened um, two months ago but his legend forever lives on and he's Goes down as my all-time favorite player in any sport, probably. And he's just a legend. I remember not long after that game, I was on vacation, I believe it was, and I was at this mall in Terre Haute, Indiana, and found this shirt. It had Lakers, eight, and on the back it had Bryant, and then 24. And then the bottom of the shirt, um, said 1996-2016, which I thought was awesome. I'm like, I gotta have this. So my mom um, bought it for me as a birthday gift for that year or early Christmas, whichever. But I wear that every time I play pickup now because that's my guy. I got his shirt. I got his jersey. I got his pennant. I have so many memories of watching him play. And I wear that shirt all the time when I play pickup. That's going to be my tradition now for probably the rest of this year. Every time I play, I'm going to wear that shirt. But he really impacted me. He was awesome. I loved watching him. He had the killer mama mentality. I always yelled Kobe. Everyone at school yelled Kobe. I emulate his shots when I play pickup. It's just a guy that everybody loved, that I loved. And... It's hard to believe he's no longer with us, but that was also sad as well. He died He died way too soon, took him too soon from us, but a living legend, a guy that made me cry as well, which has been the common theme of today is that I cry when people were dying. I mean, what can I say? That one hit home as hard as anybody, though, because he literally played my entire life, 1996. 2016 he literally played my entire life I was born three months before he got drafted so I basically literally grew up with him and that's what really made it rough for me is like man this is the last legend that I watched retiring the only the only guy left from from 1996 that I loved and remember. And then that was, that was the end of an era for me. And basketball has really not been the same since. There really hasn't been anybody like that that I've really cared to even watch now. But it made me laugh and made me cry. The end of your career, 
a Hall of Fame, an awesome career on a 60-point night is just ridiculous. Yeah, he shot a lot. Yeah, they were feeding him the ball the whole game, but who the heck cares, man? It's freaking Kobe freaking Bryant, man. You got to give him the ball. I mean, that's stupid not to. But he ended on his terms. He ended with a 60-point night, a dub, and dropping the mic. So how awesome is that? All right, that sound leads me to my final thought. Houston Texan fans, it's game over for you. Your franchise is officially the worst joke in the NFL right now. For many of you who um, didn't see what happened earlier today, um, the Texans traded all-pro DeAndre Hopkins to the freaking Cardinals. Why, I don't know. A lot of people don't know why. I'm still trying to figure out why you trade your all-pro guy who has an awesome rapport with your quarterback, Deshaun Watson, one of his only weapons, his only real weapon that he has, and you trade him to the Cardinals. Why? I'm still trying to figure out an explanation for this. Why in the heck would you do that? I don't understand. All your other weapons are not reliable. They get injured. Literally every other guy on your team, Will Fuller, QT, these guys get hurt. They are never healthy. It just doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. And you're officially the stupidest franchise right now. I don't understand what they're thinking. Their division's very competitive. And you'd go and do that? It's, it makes no sense. Um, it makes no sense. Like I said, like, like the sound said, it's game over. It just, it doesn't make sense. Um, yeah, it was Hopkins and a fourth rounder for David Johnson, a second round and a fourth round in 21, 2021. That, that's awesome. It, it defies all logic. Why are you trading the best receiver in the game of football for a freaking broken running back who tears his ACL every freaking season? It makes no sense, people. No sense at all. If I'm a Houston fan, I am livid. I'm wondering, what are we doing? Our coach is an idiot. That's why you don't give coaches these powers, these GM powers. That's why you don't do that, because they make dumb decisions like that. I don't know who the heck decided that was a good idea. I mean, if Johnson's healthy, that's great. He's a beast. But he's been freaking tearing his ACL or getting injured every season since he's broke out. I mean, come on. What are you doing? Yeah, it makes no sense to me, people. I don't get it. The Houston Texans are dumb. And Bengals, I thought you were the laughing stock of the NFL. I mean, you still are, but this is like a move you guys would do. And your idiot owner would do. But um, Texans, um, good luck. You just probably made your quarterback extremely mad and... 
Good thing you um, just paid him because he's going to probably want out now. So good job. Unless your plan is to draft somebody. I mean, I guess that's what they're trying to do here is draft somebody else to replace him. But you can't replace him. He's the greatest in the game. Him and Mike Thomas, the two best in the game. You can't trade a franchise piece like that. It just doesn't make sense. And now he's going to go rot in Arizona because he has Kyler Murray. Great. They're still going to be probably last place in their division. Their division's really good, and it just got even better with them getting Hopkins. That helps Murray out. That's great. But Houston, what are you doing? There's no receiver in the draft this year that's going to ever touch him. Career-wise, in my opinion, so you done you done messed up, as they say. And you gotta live with that. That was my final thought. It's game over for you, Houston. I don't know what you were thinking. Maybe somebody in your franchise has the virus. I don't know, but good luck being mediocre for the rest of your franchise's history. That concludes another episode of The Fanatic with your host, David Patrick. As always, please feel free to follow me on Twitter at thefanatic underscore DP. Really hope you enjoyed today's show as much as I did giving it to you. And as I mentioned, uh, this is going to kick off a string of episodes where I just talk about my favorite games, players, moments, etc., Today, I just really felt compelled to talk about four guys that I really loved watching and wanting to be when I was younger and how their retirements affected me and really just how invested I was in these guys and how sports can do that to people like me and just, yeah, it makes you cry, like I said, throughout the podcast. There were sad moments in days of my life and childhood, but hey it is what it is but as always i appreciate you all for listening and appreciate the support and listens so thank you for that as always this is dp signing off have a good day